This is Thank You Heartbreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott. As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi, everyone. This is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 65 with Jacinth Headlam. If you are so anxious to not hear me talking, talking, talking all the time, just jump ahead to the eight minute mark. That's when I get into my conversation with the powerful, the insightful, the just muse, just synth herself. You guys will love this conversation and I can't wait for you to meet her through your ears and hopefully through your eyes this Saturday, February 9th. The details are in the show notes. You guys, this is a good one. We recorded this late, 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 late night. You guys were probably already in bed. It was 11.40, went to 12.40, and it just shows you the pure dedication and the pure heart of my guest today. It's also to say that most people would be tired at that hour, and we were. One of my first questions is, how do you do it all? How are you coming from modeling at QVC, tucking in your two children, and then in a matter of minutes, jumping on a line for an hour conversation with me? She said, I am running on empty, but I feel so much appreciation that that gives me burst of energy. That's what I show up for. That's why I show up. And as soon as we said that, as soon as she said that, we just started flowing and... I'm pretty confident that both of us forgot that it was as late as it was, that we had been as tired as we were, and it was just kind of this magic moment. And thankfully it is because I get to join her on stage at her book launch party and her movie premiere on Saturday, so February 9th. And this is just unbelievable timing to me. It literally feels like a gift. She feels like a gift and I will forever be really just so, I keep on using the word thankful. It's so much more than that. Listen, she's, without even knowing it, allowed me to celebrate Saturday, February 9th, which is a year from my breakup. You know, you can think back on that date and be like, oh my God, thinking about where I was then, what I wanted for myself And what I wanted for myself was to speak on a stage. I've wanted that forever. So this is that moment, and it's happening exactly a year, my year anniversary of stepping out into the world as a single person and choosing to do that because I wanted to see the life that I could lead now that I wasn't so afraid, not only of the world, but of myself. Jacinth and I share a drive to turn negative, hard, traumatic feelings like death, that you're having to say goodbye to a certain life, to a person, to a person that you not necessarily wanted to say goodbye to, to all these things. We both shared this desire to turn it into a rebirth. Her book, Love After, is about all sorts of afterwards, And I really respect that. It's not just about heartbreak. It's not just about divorce, though, of course it is. But it's about addiction, about eating disorders, insecurities, any form of betrayal, being in jail, basically shutting the door on one life and hoping that you can love others and you can love yourself and you can fall in love with your life again or perhaps just for the first time in a very, very wise and genuine way. Her book is about dying to the self and becoming whole. It's about the power of forgiveness. What is your purpose? Time to maximize singleness, one of my favorite chapters. What parenting looks like after divorce. 
another fascination and deep level of respect I have for people that are co-parenting. She talks about dating and waiting and her revelation that God wanted her just to stand still, to not dive into relationships as bandage or as she talks to me about as bondage. This book is about taking your power back and really learning how to feel powerful in the first place. It's also about the power of prayer, which though my prayers don't feel conventional, and maybe there's no such thing as conventional prayers, I do do them. I remember as a kid always kneeling before my bed and praying. I wish I could remember what I was asking for, what I was saying at least, because now I do it not always consistently, but when I do, I swear something comes from it. And usually the prayer is, I'm ready. I said no so often before. I turned down opportunities, doors. I didn't know where's doors. But now I'm telling you I am eager. I'm eager to be put to work. I'm eager to work with other people. I'm eager to take anything on. I'm eager to walk through spaces that I don't know are doors. I'm willing to turn it all into an opportunity. Whenever I've spoken like that, and not asked in a stern way for something, but just created an opening, a willingness, there has been a response. I relate so much to her story because not only is it the prayer aspect and seeing, oh my God, look what's come. Am I ready for it? There's actually been a response, a quick, a turnaround response. But she's also someone that hears this higher perspective while driving in the car and in the shower. And I am totally the same way. By the way, life is crazy. Just as I said that an email came in offering me an opportunity. I swear, I just spoke about being ready out into the air and this came in out of nowhere. So, hey, miracles happen or someone is listening. Ask and you shall receive. I have been talking a lot over the last episodes As you may have realized, I am doing a February challenge, which is an episode a day, a question a day, and it's just me freestyling and going through a series of uncomfortable questions. So I don't want to speak for too long because Jacinth is the real star of this conversation and this show, especially this coming Saturday, February 9th. The details are in the show notes. They are also at the end of the show. If you want to hear about it from Jacinth herself, we can't wait to see you there. Thank you for being here and for being a part of this conversation. When I see that you are listening, it fills my heart up and it certainly keeps me going. So thank you for that. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience. Hello, everyone. My name is Jacinth Hedlum. I'm an actress, QVC model, film producer, now first-time author of my motivational memoir, Love After. (laughs) Motivational memoir is like the best category, by the way. It really, really is. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So you just came from QVC, and I'm dying to know how you do it all. I mean, I have to tell everyone, it's 1139 at night. We're doing this. You didn't even blink an eye. How do you have all the energy to do it all? I mean, you just went from QVC to your house. You tucked in your children. You're doing this. Tell me how you do it. I'm running on E, to be honest. <laughs> but I think, um, I think gratitude keeps me, humility and gratitude, because when, you know, by you wanting to have me on a guest on your show, it's a sacrifice for you as well. So, you know, just like I'm sacrificing time and sleep, it's almost midnight. I know you are as well. So that in itself gives me a boost of energy. Like, okay, let's knock it out. Let's do it. Get it done. I'm appreciative. Showing gratitude has given me the extra oomph that I need because you didn't have to do this, you know? (laughs) Right. I had to tell you what I just did was I'm doing this 
challenge in February where I do an episode a day and I answer these questions from my workbook. And mm-hmm. basically, I'm curious about how you would answer this question, but it was like, if you had one more opportunity to talk to your ex, would you rather hear them say something to you or would you rather make a statement to them? And overwhelmingly, the guests say thank you. And I kind of think in my head, if I'm on the right side of the coin, I would want to say thank you. So I did this episode and I just went through all the things that I, in this moment, feel thankful for. And I feel like having this appreciation, it it gives you the boost of energy because I didn't have energy before this. And yet I just did that. I'm like, wow, I feel like clarity and I feel like I'm on. It's almost like the drama is left behind. Yeah. How would Absolutely. you answer that question? Oh, man. And I have to pick one? Yeah, you'd pick one. So would you rather hear something from your ex hmm. or would you rather say something? I think at this point, and too, like if you had asked me this a year prior to, I would have said, no, I want to hear something like because I feel like I deserve an explanation. I want to know why did everything go this way? Why me? Why did this play out? This, You know, why did it have to happen? And for me now in the space that I am in terms of my love after transition, transformation, restoration, rebirth, and where I am in my life, I would just say, you know what? It doesn't matter what happened. I thank you because I was able to turn my pain into my purpose. If I didn't go through what I've gone through, I wouldn't have been able to write the book Love After. I wouldn't have been able to sit here and and profess to other women or other men that, look, we are enough. We have the power within us. We just have to tap in. Or there's love after betrayal or heartbreak or depression or divorce or, you know, whatever it is that you've been through, there's love after that. So I was able to turn my pain into my purpose. So I, I don't feel like I want an explanation anymore. I'm content. It's interesting when you're waiting to hear something, it usually is this desire for an explanation. Right. And what's cool is being able to kind of track where you were a year ago, because I felt the same way. I answered that question a year ago and I was like, I want to hear something, you know? Right. (laughs) Oh, cool. When you're like, I'm on the other side of this right now. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. What I love about your message in your book is, and you just said it now, is that it's not just a breakup. It's not just a divorce. There can be multiple forms of death and in my mind, multiple forms of heartbreak. So depression, Mm -hmm. one of them. I would love for you to talk about how you decided that you wanted to expand your message to also include other sorts of grief and transformation. Absolutely. Um, For me, coming to a place of healing and when you're stepping into your purpose, there's a lot of things that will come to the surface that you have to deal with in order for you to grow, in order for you to get to the next level. And oftentimes when we go through heartbreaks, it's a lot that's tied to that within ourselves, not knowing, are we enough? Because I didn't know and I questioned my worth. And obviously I probably didn't think I was enough as to why I stayed and endured what I did. Because if I held certain standards or if I know come hell or high waters, I would not subject to certain things I would have left a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say depression plays a huge part. I had to heal from that. I had to heal from a lot of traumatic things that I've gone through prior to my marriage that I didn't know lie dormant for years. There were a lot of deaths that I I feel like we have to die to in order to come to that place of resurrection or rebirth or just becoming a new version and a better version of ourselves. You know, in in terms of healing, a lot of them ties back to forgiveness. Forgiveness is a huge death that we tie and and we hold on to and think that by holding on to these stuff, it's, it's our kryptonite. It's giving us that power we need. In actuality, you're hurting yourself because while you're holding on to forgiveness and resentment, that person is running around free as a bird while you're here held captive. So unforgiveness is a huge death that I feel like a lot of us have to get past in order to grow and heal and come to a place of restoration. Absolutely. It's so bad. Even just thinking about it, like when you say that this person is running around free and you're holding yourself captive. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, what a draining reality. It's really draining. (laughs) So how do you step into or even approach 
forgiveness. Like, how did you go about that? For me, it was making a choice. You know, in life, we all have a choice. You can choose to stay down and weep all day and beat up on yourself and, you know, wallow in sorrows. Or you can choose to, like, you know what? I've cried, but today I've cried my last tear. And if I do choose to cry again, it's okay. I'm going to wipe my eyes and I'm going to just know as long as I'm pressing forward and I'm still standing, it's okay because it's all a process. What might take me a year might take someone else six months or might take someone else five years. We all heal differently um, in terms of our process. But unforgiveness is, I I had to make a choice. And Mm -hmm. I tell you the truth, you know, prayer was huge because I knew that it's not something that I could have pulled solely by myself. I needed some kind of supernatural, internal, spiritual shift to happen. And prayer is very, very powerful for me because there's just certain things I'm looking back. I'm like, there's no way I could have gotten through that on my own without, you know, someone praying for me or without my village pouring into me and uplifting me. And like, it takes a village. Absolutely. So what does a prayer sound like for you? Well, you know, praying to my father, you know, my Mm -hmm. heavenly father and the person who created me, the person who breathes breath into my body, the person who's in, you know, have blood flowing through my veins, the person who knows that everything that's about to happen or or that have happened, it was already predestined. So me just going to find out and tapping into the source as to what happened, why did it happen, trying to find clarity, how to use it and embrace it and move forward and learn from it and how to use it as fuel because I feel like time heals all wounds. So yeah, just really, really using that thing as power because and this is life. Your good is and evil and all of that is going to happen. What are you going to choose? You're going to allow the good and the bad and the ugly to keep you down or are you going to rise above it? It's not something you can escape. You know, I'm pretty sure everybody been through heartbreak, but they were able to overcome and find love again. Or some people have failed in a career, but they were able to brush themselves off and pick themselves up and keep going. I feel like it's all a choice and it's mind over matter. I feel like the only way you can be transformed is by the renewing of your mind. It's all mental. All mental. I totally agree. It's all mental. I mean, I have clients call me and they want a roadmap as to how to overcome something. And it's so hard to explain that I really think we've got to talk about the mindset. Yeah, absolutely. It's about a renewing of your mind. You really have to make a conscious effort. You know, you might not want to go out and see anybody. You want to isolate yourself. Like I was there. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to pick up my phone. I didn't feel like eating. And I'm a big, I'm a big foodie. I love <laughs> yeah. to eat. And I didn't want no sunlight shining through my windows. I didn't want to hear anybody. I didn't just wanted to be left alone. So I could have chose to stay in that place, that darkness with the shackles on my mind, on my heart, and just be guarded and just stay in that muck. Or one day I just woke up and I was like, this is it. I can't do this no more. The only way from here is up. I don't even think there's any lower I can hit. Like this is rock bottom. So I know what that felt like. And I just woke up and I made a conscious effort. Like, God, I need your strength, but I'm going to make a choice to move forward. I just need you to give me the path, give me clarity, show me which route I should go. And little by little stuff started to come to me. And in journaling is how love after was revealed to me. I was literally crying my eyes out in the shower, screaming like, this is not fear. Like, why is this happening to me? I'm pissed. Yes, I'm angry. And this is not fear. In the midst of me crying and screaming in the shower, it's like I just felt something just dropped in my spirit. There's love after this. Mm. And it didn't really hit me right away. And I'm like, I just kept hearing that thing, love after, love after. And I just wrote it down. And I began to start doing voice journal. I'm not a big writer. I like to, you know, talk into my phone and then I write it out. I love that you do that. I love that you're someone that does that. No, it's so great. I like to do that because I'm always so busy. Like you said earlier, how do you balance? 
I know for me, I can't sit still and just for like an hour and just write because my mind is constantly going or I have to get the kids to school from school to football practice, Girl Scout. Then I have QVC. Then I'm also jumping to do auditions. And if I book it, I'm on set. Then I'm back and I'm, you know, so for me, um, taking notes through my voice, um, my voice app was how I would journal and in journaling, I, that's how I started to write the book, Love After. And as I'm writing, stuff is just pouring into me. And I, as I, as, you know, as I'm writing, I'm downloading. As I'm writing, I'm downloading. And I know a lot of this stuff that I've written was literally downloaded from God. Because as I'm writing, it's, it's like the spirit was just talking to me. Because mm. there's certain things I'm reading it back. And I'm like, this is not even something I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, oh it's, it's like that's how you know it's like an out of body experience. This thing is not the norm. Right. Because even when you're talking about like a rebirth, I was thinking that it has to be an out of body experience, really. When you're right. down in it, in order to pull yourself out of it, a conscious choice is almost like you have to see yourself from a higher place. You almost have to come yeah. out of yourself. Mm-hmm. And what I love what you're saying is that so many people talk about how they have a you know certain hour that they give themselves. You hear mothers talk about this too, right? I need time for myself. So I've made a commitment that this is my hour. But then mm-hmm. there are people that like, they're always on the go. They're always in the midst of something. And for you, you have like long drives, you're in commute. So this idea of having a phone in front of you and just speaking into it, mm-hmm. that can really be a way of doing it. And especially in today's world, rather than guilting yourself that you can't find the same time every single day to do something, or it just feels like another to-do, this way of just speaking into a phone, it's much more fluid. Yeah, I mean, writing is therapeutic. Um, Writing is where things, I feel like it it becomes real. Just seeing it, um, it holds you accountable. It helps you to reflect. And that's how I journal. That's my diary is my voice note. And that's how I, I literally, that's how I wrote Love After. I do it on my voice note as I'm driving to or from work. And then I go home and I transcribe it. That's so good because, oh my God, for years I used to resent and like fear doing anything while talking because I felt like my writing was so different and so controlled and that me speaking, it was like, I sounded like a buffoon, you know? And I just love that that you led with speaking and, Mm -hmm. and that's the writing. That's what we're reading in this book is things that were just pouring out of you out loud. Yeah. It wasn't manipulated. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I only wrote when I, as I was led, that's why it took me about a year. It's not a year straight because of course, procrastination, of course, busy, of course, just life happening. But I have to be honest, I was also afraid to put it out because I was you know, I had self-doubt and I had feeling of inadequacy. I mean, I'm pretty sure we all have been there in our life where I'm like, is anyone really going to read what I have to say? You know, and I just felt like um, a lot of motivational memoir and testimonies that have to be super dramatic. I wasn't strung out on drugs and I wasn't, right. I wasn't shot 10 times. I mean, my story might not be super dramatic. That's when I felt my spirit was saying, someone needs to hear your story. And yes, it might not be one who got shot 20 times because that's not the people that you're going to gravitate to. That's not the people that's for you to help. But someone who have dealt with what you've been through, like depression or suicidal thoughts or a divorce or co-parenting with, you know, and going through a breakup with kids involved or someone who don't know their identity or someone who's trying to find their voice or trying to figure out their purpose and how to walk in their purpose. Those are the people that are going to gravitate towards you. So that's not for you to worry about. You just have to follow through with your vision, walk in your purpose, and everything will fall into place. And that's what I did. I I didn't know the how-tos and how everything was going to happen. I just was obedient. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write the book. I'm just going to put my fears aside. And whatever happened, happens. And I had to not think about the numbers because I'm a numbers girl. Mm -hmm. I'm a business girl. I had to think and change my mindset. Like, okay, you know what you're saying? I'm investing in myself and I'm, I'm investing in whoever needs to hear this or whoever needs to read this. And if it changes one person's life, I did my job. If I, because that one person is going to tell five and then that five is going to tell 10 and that 10 is going to tell. It's just, you never know who life you'll impact. You just have to do what you have to do 
and God will make provisions. Everything will fall into place. And literally, I've just been seeing people come on board helping me so selflessly. And for them, it's not about the money. For them, they're telling me like, you're so inspirational. You're so powerful. And whatever I can do to help you, I'm here. Like, that's what I'm here to do. I want to help you. And I'm like, wow. Like, I'm just mind blown. Like, oh my God. And at one point I'm like, man, am I worthy? And it, you know, it's like, we all go through that thing. It's like, man, you know? Right. What do they call it? What do they call it? It's, oh, imposter syndrome. You always think someone's going to find you out and then they're going to change their mind. Or like, I'm a kind of person, like I, I'm a giver. So to receive selflessly like that, I just feel like I I start to question, like, you know, am I worthy? It's uncomfortable. Yes. It's a little uncomfortable. And I'm like, nothing is free. So what's the catch? Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. (laughs) You know, so it's it's more like that. Not, um, not the one you're saying, like finding out, but it's like, I just have to learn to accept blessings, allow things to manifest because oftentimes we pray for something and when it happens, it scares the hell out of us because number one, we probably wasn't prepared for it to happen as fast as it's happening or we're afraid of the unknown. Mm -hmm. Like, man, am I going to be able to really step up to the plate uh, and, and, and meet all the expectation? And it's really the expectation we put on ourselves. I'll put a lot of pressure and expectation on myself. So, so it's a fear. Yeah, I relate to it. And what I think is so great about what you were saying about how, oh my God, is this dramatic enough? You know, I think that there's this thing in life, like where people feel like I shouldn't say anything or I shouldn't talk about what I've gone through because I'm comparing myself to people that have gone through something else, aka something more. And therefore Mm. you can feel ashamed that like, why do I even feel bad about this? This is such a privilege in comparison. And I think it's so great that you're sharing that story, your story regardless, because there are so many people in this world that are feeling ashamed that they are hurting, and yet in their mind, other people are hurting more from other circumstances. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and especially social media doesn't make it any better because right. you're seeing all of these noise and all of these distractions. and. It's so easy to get caught up in comparing. And it's like, as much as you're happy to see other people's, you know, blessings flourish, sometimes a lot of people can get caught up in, man, when is it my time? Or what am I doing wrong? Or how come I'm not booked? Or how come I'm not getting that job? I went on 50 million interviews and I can't get in. This person doesn't have as much experience as I do. And how did he get the job? So you find yourself comparing or, or you might be comparing yourself to, oh, that person having a, a beautiful family and I would love to one day have a family or that person have so many kids and they don't treat their kids properly or they, you know, they don't appreciate their kid. And here I am over here. I can have a miscarriage. I can't have kids. I can't even have a baby. Like that's not fair. So it's like everyone is posting everything and sometimes it can be a distraction or a noise or have you question your blessings or when is it my time? Yeah. I I think it really ends up pulling you backwards. It like keeps you stuck. Like you're like going into this vortex of like seeing all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like almost you just like fall backwards. I don't know how motivating any of it really is. It's tricky. It's so tricky because you need it in this day and age. I hate to say you need it, but you do because I feel like that's the easiest way to market and promote yourself, especially when you don't have a huge marketing budget and you're an entrepreneur, and you're self-employed, and you are your business, social media is probably the number one way to connect. And it's like, you got to have it. But if it was up to me, I wouldn't want it at all. Because I feel like it sucks you in. I mean, I, sometimes you're on social media, three hours done passed, And I'm like, dang, I have nothing to show for it. I've just been scrolling and watching a bunch of videos. <laughs> right. If it, was all, if it was all like visual to everyone, like she's been on this long. She's currently on this page. She went back to this page 15 times. We probably wouldn't do it. I feel like that would be great for us. I know, right? <laughs> that would be great. I even stopped posting on Instagram. Like I've been doing the Instagram story, but I'm just, I, I became so, oh God, it was like so daunting about really just not getting the likes in comparison to everyone else that gets so many. And I have to yeah. just, I have to start again. And it, it just has to be like, I have to put that out of my mind. But it's yeah. hard. I wish they didn't show how many likes you get. 
Kanye, no, Kanye said something about this. Kanye, I think, brought it up recently. He's like, we should do away with how many likes, how many friends. Like, it's just been liked. That's it. Not the influence. Oh, don't, don't show the amount. Yeah, don't I think show the amount. I think that's smart. I think oh. that's smart. So have an informed opinion. Don't just love it because everyone else loves it. Or don't just judge yourself against someone because you see all these other people. The amount, the number. Yeah. And I'm not saying that for me, or we're not saying that about ourselves, but we're saying that for that young girl who, you know, she doesn't yeah. know better. Or those adolescents who are quick to take those pills or commit suicide or slit their wrists or lock themselves in a room because they don't feel liked or they don't feel belonged or they feel they isolate themselves because of social media, because they post and they, they want people to like them so bad. And why? Oh my God, I only got five likes. And they get depressed over these things. And I'm like, oh my God. I know I've heard, you know, from even my cousins that if they don't get a certain amount of likes within the first five minutes, they delete it immediately. And the impact of going through their school halls. I'm like, thank God I didn't have cell phones back then. The anxiety. Oh my God. It's crazy. So you're so right to think about like the young kids. They're being shaped by this. Like I think about kids I grew up with that felt like they had less than everyone else at my school. Well, think about like the less and the not enough that social media is contributing and how that story, like the story that I hear from my friends that felt that way, it wasn't real in my mind about them, but it's followed them their whole life. Like what mm. what social media stories for young kids will follow them? It's crazy. Such a good point. It's, I'm just very, very concerned, like seriously. And I, and I like that. I think that they should take away the amount of likes or the amount, like they should take that away do something for us. Yeah. Think about what you're creating. I mean, I even think about, okay, so Facebook has this feature where you can have invisible conversations. So I've had, yes, I've had people reach out to me with an invisible conversation about how they cheated on their husband. And in that conversation, literally there's no trace of it. And really, yeah, it's kind of like Snapchat, I guess. I've never used Snapchat, but you know, Snapchat disappears as well, the messages. And I'm just like, who created this? They should be prosecuted. Like it's encouraging wow. bad behavior in, in my mind. But I just hate the options that we're giving people and how people can take advantage of that in a, a way that could hurt someone that's yeah, not very loyal, you know? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I, I just learned something new that you can have an invisible conversation. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's, it. that's the whole social media school. I, I don't like it, but I just feel like I have no choice but to use it. I'm not a fan of it. I really am. Speaking of which, in a very similar vein, dating. So dating has become, you know, there's no stigma attached to dating apps. I feel like everyone is more love obsessed than ever before. Are you on a date? Why are you not on a date? Why are you not having sex with someone? If you're single, like all this stuff. I know in your book, you talk about dating Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. also at a certain point, trusting in the timing, like you heard God, like just say, stay put, stand still. I would love for you to talk about your perspective and your own experience with dating after divorce and heartbreak. For me, it goes back to timing and taking that time to heal. Because it's so natural for us to want to love and want to be loved, it just comes as an instinct. It just comes just right away. But you have to make a wise decision to know, okay, I've just got out of a five-year or 10-year or three-year relationship. And depending on how it ended, even if it didn't end bad, I just feel like you need that time to breathe. You need that time to die to those layers that you have taken on over those past few years. And this just doesn't happen. Like it took me 10 years to, in that relationship, I don't expect it to go away in one year or blink. Those are layers that I have to now rip away from me to now come up for air, find out a new rhythm for myself, find a new path. Because, of course, the path I was on before is no longer. And taking that time to heal, because I feel like it's not fair for someone else to do the time for somebody else's crime. So oftentimes we jump from relationship to relationship because we don't know how to be by ourselves. And it's that wanting or that needing to want to be loved so bad or wanting to be with someone or to be in a relationship or 
you have these hashtag relationship goals is that pressure and that expectation that society put on us of wanting to be with someone. And if we're not with someone over, then we're lonely. And if we're not with someone, then something is wrong with us because we're single. I know many powerful people who are single, who are happy and who are living their best life. So it's taking that time. I had to take that time to heal. And you have to be in tune with yourself. If you don't know how to be in tune with yourself, that means you haven't been with yourself long enough. When you're in tune with yourself, you know when you're ready. You know when something is forced. You know when you're not 100% at peace with starting this new relationship. And that's what I was feeling. I, I love the person. The person was an amazing guy. I mean, not much complaints. I mean, he wasn't perfect. No one is, but... I just felt deep down inside that I was rushing and I needed some more time with myself. I needed some more time to date me. I needed some more time to just come up for air. And I, I, and I felt like as I was writing and one of the things that came to me as I was writing that chapter was you're still under construction. There's mm-hmm. some things that still have to be pieced back together again. So you're not as guarded. So you're not on edge. So you're not having trust issues so that when the next guy comes, you're not guarded or you don't know how to really open your heart and to love this person or most importantly, how to receive love. Because sometimes it's easy to love someone and do so much for the person, but we don't know how to receive it open heartedly and be free on all levels, not just some levels, but to be free and welcome it. And I think that was for me, I was so guarded and I was so protective and I would let a person in, but to a certain extent, I will let you in to the point where, you know, it's comfortable and we're at level one. And but when it comes to like layering now, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait a minute now. So it's like I would allow that person to come close, but not to the point where I'm not comfortable. Mm. So that's something I had to, you know, that's a red flag to let you know you still require healing because you don't want to get the blessing of love and someone amazing comes in your life and then you you know uh, what's the word you don't know how to receive that blessing you block your own blessing of love you know you don't want to block your blessing and so many people feel like the blessing isn't going to come again and i think that's why they just end up holding on to it even if they don't feel in the best space for it i think that you have to come to a place of contentment mm-hmm. like And it goes back to not putting that expectation on wanting to be loved so bad. I feel like when you love yourself and you are good with yourself, it's like, if it comes great, if it doesn't, great. You're not sitting there, you know, the minute someone hits you up and inquire and want to take you on a date, you're automatically putting a title on it in your mind and you're automatically walking yourself down the aisle and you're already having dreams about the person. It's like, whoa, the person only asks you on a date. And that's sometimes as women, that's how we're wired. I mean, at five years old, we're playing Barbies and we're making them, you know, love on each other and they have to get married. And I just feel like that's the mindset we have as females growing up is wanting this nice knight in shining armor to come and rescue us. Or some people will say my Boaz (laughs) is going to come find me in the fields or, you know, he's going to come and sweep. Oh my God. I saw, I read that. I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) He's going to come sweep me up my feet. It's a biblical way of saying knight in shining armor. He's going to just come find you and sweep you off your feet and make you his queen or, you know, whatever. But I just feel like you just can't put that expectation on yourself. And that's one thing I had to do because after my divorce was final, I started online dating Uh and it was fun. You know, I wasn't too much into it because I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) Why? Um, Because I like interpersonal. I like face to face. I like looking at someone's eyes because I'm a, I, I can, I can pick up on things better. Yeah. You can read them. Yeah, I can read them. And it's so easy for people to fake behind a text message or fake over the phone. But it's easier to read somebody if it's face to face because you can feel someone's energy more. Mm -hmm. That's like, for example, someone saying LOL over text message. But, you know, daggone well, you're not laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it fits there you know right, right so it's like easy to fake the fun so that to me is like online dating is like just connecting with someone electronically and then i don't know it goes back to not putting that expectation i had to come to us and then me knowing i needed more time to myself because i was still under construction i was still healing 
Now I'm at a place in my life because I took that time for myself. I'm at a place in my life where I'm finally content with being single. Like if I never get married again, I'm okay because I'm so busy loving on me. I'm so busy building a life for myself. And if someone comes along and they're able to compliment that and I feel the same way about them and I'm okay with bringing them into my world and vice versa, not complete. I didn't use the word complete. And that's where a lot of us goes wrong. We want someone to complete us and fulfill us. And I feel like you have to have that void filled by yourself, me, myself, and I. And if someone comes by, they compliment that. Their purpose is in alignment with yours. You know, that person is not pulling you in a different direction than where you're heading. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in totally, alignment. Totally, by the way. Big time. Yeah. That's a big, that's a, I say that love can derail us or sidetrack us. Yeah, and it can definitely, because it's so blind and it's a thin line between love and lust. Oftentimes, it's so easy to be like, oh my God, I'm in love with you. And then when you go through the test of time, it's like, you really, it just felt like it was the right thing to say. You really don't love this person. You crave this person and you lust over this person because it's natural for us to want to lust. Mm -hmm. We're sexual beings, you know? So it's a, it's a very thin line between love and lust. And I feel like if I had waited and not rushed into marriage, I would have known a lot of my feeling was built on lust and not really loving that person. So explain it to me because that's how I felt. It's, I really feel like it's the first time that I felt that in a relationship, this craving and because it was like the sexual power, you, you wrote about it in your book. So I'd love mm-hmm. to hear you talk about it a little bit more, but what is the difference? Because yeah, you, you can be completely confused by it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people might say that I don't have the control or the power to do that, but you really have to take sex off the table. Early on, you're saying? Yeah, because I feel like in the de- developmental stages, you want your relationship to be built on something solid. Sexual desires can fade. Those are things that are hormonal. Those are feelings. Though you don't want to be built on emotion. Like if I'm horny in this moment and I want to fulfill that need and then, okay, half an hour passed, I got my nut, you got your nut okay, bye. I'm not in that mood anymore. <laughs> so it's like, you know how sometimes when you, you're, you've been fulfilled and you just not in that space anymore, you're not craving that person anymore. You're good. I'm satisfied. You're good. You know? So for me, I want my relationship to be built on best friends and figuring out each other's love languages to be connected. Spiritual to me is the strongest foundation ever. Yeah, no, knowing what each other love languages are. How does that person love to be, want to be loved? There are they more of a physical touch type of person? Like for me, mine's is act of service. When you can take the pressure off and help me and help me to, to not be stressed and just be of servitude to me, I, I, I love that. I love word of affirmation. Some people might love gifts or some people might love that spontaneity or you doing something just going out your way for them. So it's just learning how that person wants to be loved and not projecting how you want to be loved onto that person. You guys are two totally different people. I know. It's such a, it's such a mind fuck in a way. You have to, yeah, because you expect people to love in the same way that you do. I think what's yeah. interesting is that you're right. Like, you know, you have this sexual craving early on, or you've seen what that's looked like, and you're almost, in a sense, more willing to love them any way they want. It's like things just, I don't know, I think it becomes so blurred. I think, in a yeah. sense, you lose this sense of the initial identity. Because it fades. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of guys, they can hit it and quit it because there's no substance. Yeah. Like, you know, well, like, what is going to set you from? all the other women that he can get booty from yeah you know what is going to set you apart and it's mental you Mm -hmm. guys have to be on that same wavelength and connect mentally and spiritually like sex is the bonus i feel like sex should be the bonus and people treat sex as the first and foremost priority and it's like no if somebody can mentally stimulate me and emotionally like make love to my mind, that is beautiful because then by the time we get to the bonus and we finally do have sex, 
it's like mind freaking blowing. The orgasm will just come automatically because I'm already there. I'm already totally. I'm already making love to you mentally before we even get to the stimulation. One hundred percent. Which is probably why I ended up having horrible sex with like the most quiet men in my life. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I say that love is a series of conversations. So I agree with that. Yeah. So so for me, that's what I, I find waiting works for me. Because it helps me to dodge a lot of bullets. A lot of guys, they want to get with you for the wrong reasons or their intentions are off. And it's only a matter of time before they fall by the wayside. And it's like, oh, I'm glad I didn't give it up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I dodged that bullet. I and love dodging I, bullets. Yeah. yeah. Had, I, had I gave it up or followed that sexual instinct or that craving or that lustful desire or follow, you know, my fleshly desires, then I would have fell into that trap. And then here I am have to now take those layers off that I just, you know, when you connect with someone, you take on a part of that person. And then you're wondering why your head is jacked up or your mood is off or your energy is off. You're becoming one with that person. You're taking on a part of that person. I've been hearing this a little bit more, people expressing that. And yet at the same time, I've had so many friends that are just like, you need to be effed. We just need to get you fucked. Like, and I'm, I'm just... I don't know. I, I feel like, like you said, I just, I just don't want to take on anyone. I, I don't know. I feel like so much more careful about it all. And I mean, a lot of my girlfriends said that too, especially when I was fresh out of my marriage. They were like, Ja, you just need somebody to blow your back out, girl. <laughs> you just need to get it just one good time. Just swing from the chandeliers and all of that. But I just feel like it was all temporary quick fix. Yeah. And then, then by the, okay, I, I get this natural high and I'm here and I'm satisfied and I'm on cloud nine. And then what happens when I fall off that cloud? Right. I feel like you fall further. Yeah. Because now I'm over here, like as women, we just not built like that because now I'm thinking about this person because now I don't yeah. gave this person my body. And as much as I try to train myself to not get emotionally tied up, sometimes you can't help but to not, you know, but to think about that person. And I do think that there's something appealing to people about it because then they're like, well, at least I'm not thinking about my ex. I feel like I'm moving forward because I'm now hung up on someone else. It's strange. I mean, yeah, that some people say the way to get over is to get under. It's to get get under, you know, get under to get over. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's all bandage. Yes. Definitely it will work temporarily because I've done it. I'm just being honest. Before I, I tried to practice the, you know, the, the waiting, I've done it. And it's, it, for me, it, it caused more bondage, the band-aid. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just, it's, it's a temporary quick fix. And then you're going to come to a point, okay, a month later, everything hits you again. And then you find yourself lost, probably crying, hormonal, confused in this funk not knowing what's going on, trying to figure things out. And it's like, now you're in too deep. Yeah. You're catching feelings. How did I get here? How do I get out of this? This person is no longer returning my calls or not that that happened to me, but I'm just saying for some women that that may have happened to by trying to get under someone to get over someone, it's all temporary quick fixes. Right. Absolutely. Question though, because I can't help but think, you know, when you say that if you weren't to get married, you'd be fine and all this stuff. I wonder though, like, what would you say for someone that doesn't have kids yet? Is there a sense that you can breathe more easily? I mean, some people would say it's the opposite. They have kids, they want someone else to help them, they want someone else to come in. So it feels like a family. So there's that. But what about someone that doesn't have kids yet and really wants kids? Hmm. They want kids. And yet at the same time, really wants to honor this idea of waiting, you know, waiting until they feel ready. I think that some people can look at it like, wow, if you want to get married, if you want to have kids, then you need to be out dating. And what if you're just like, but that's not where I'm at yet. And, and it goes back to tapping, knowing yeah. what you want, where you are in your life. Because if you're not in alignment and you're not heading in the right direction, something is going to feel off. And that's because you're out of alignment. Mm-hmm. Something is off. You're lacking peace. And it's like you want certain things. Like, for example, we all want to be loved. For me to sit here and say, one day I don't want to be swept off my feet and get married again. And I want to have a beautiful family. And I want a complete household. Complete meaning, you know, just my household having, you know, a, a leader in terms of my husband and my kids and 
a great father figure in addition because their dad is amazing. But in talking in terms of my household, and I would love to one day get married again. I envision it. I really do. But I don't put pressure on myself or sometimes the thoughts come and I'm like, God, well, when it's the right time, it'll happen. I don't want to force anything because then years later, I'm picking up the pieces again and feeling like history repeated itself or I'm back at square one. I'm at dag. I, you know, I, I saw it coming and I missed these red flags because I was so caught up in just wanting to be in a relationship or wanting to have a baby so bad without trusting you. Mm. Impatience. Yeah, impatience is that's that's a bummer, man. It'll it'll get you. I feel like you really have to trust yourself, trust God, and trust your instinct. I feel like with you too that you've really trusted the process of the book, for example, of your career as an actress. It's like if that has been really working out and people are just so stoked to help you and so animated when they talk about you. It's true. They are. I've seen it. That why wouldn't you trust the timing of your life more that the alignment of that? I mean, in terms of love. Yeah. And and thank God I'm walking in my purpose. That's one thing that keeps me. I feel like when you are fulfilling your dreams and your purpose, you're not as distracted by the fact that you're not in a relationship. Because you're so busy building your life and building yourself. And the more you build and the more growth and progress you make, the more you become very, what's the word? You have more standards for yourself. You, not, you won't be so quick to rush into a relationship because you don't feel like no one is worth just popping into your life like that. I've put years into getting to where I am. I've put years into making sure I came to a place of healing. I put years into making sure I put the work in. I did the work for the woman I am today. So the person who is trying to come into my life, he better come correct. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. He has to come correct. You can't, it's not going to be like, just hand over to you on a silver platter. Like, it's, I get what you're saying. valuable. You earned who you've become. That's the word. You have to earn it. You have to earn me. No, you've proved yourself to yourself. Right. Now someone has to prove who they are and prove why it makes sense really to be together. Like in a sense, time has to do that for you too. We rush into Mm -hmm. things and it's hard to do, but instead of learning who this person is without you, like who they are without making them into your boyfriend and seeing them through the lens of a boyfriend. Yeah. And it goes back to, like you were saying, take your time. Don't rush. The foundation and the first layer is so important and you cannot cloud your vision or your discernment or your intuition with those lustful and feeding into those temporary quick fixes. Because that's why a lot of people get caught up and they're so blinded by lust or quote unquote lust of love. (laughs) <laughs> so what does it mean to break up word? I've heard you say, I think that's the term you use, yeah. break up word. Yeah, it is. So my interpretation of your word, break up word, if you break up with a partner and you level up, I mean, for me, it's leveling up. And I feel like I broke up word. I went through a divorce and yeah, it was a bad transition for me, which is, but now I leveled up. I'm, I'm doing amazing. I'm I'm doing amazing things for myself. Um, I've tapped into my power within. I've tapped into my purpose. I'm following my dreams. I'm living out loud, unapologetically, boldly. I have my love after glow. I Um, love that, by the way. (laughs) You know, I'm not saying it's easy and it doesn't come with struggles. Too much is given, much is required, Mm. period. But it's all, once again, your mindset and how how you place things mentally and how you let it affect you. But yeah, I know that the next person that I'm going to marry is definitely going to match where I am. And that's leveling up for me. And I'm not talking financially, but for me, it's, I don't know, let me see how to put it. Now that I know what love is, I feel like I can make a better and wiser decision than what I've done before. Because at 19, 20, 21, I mean, I'm sorry, you really don't know what love is at that time. You have yet to go through life. You don't even know who you are at 21 because who you are at 21 and who you are at 31 is going to be two totally different people. 
So yeah, just taking that time to learn yourself. I wonder how love after would have meant to you at 21 and now, you know, 31, you know, Mm. like the journey of love after because that came to you later. It came to you recently. Right. And I wonder what someone would even think that would mean at 21. To like just what it means now, because if it's a 21 year old that's reading my book, love after her interpretation of love after might be different from mine. Her interpretation might be getting over her high school boyfriend where mine's is a marriage because I'm older, you know, um, her love after might be her binging her food or throwing up or her isolating herself or depression or not feeling included in school or not feeling like she have any friends or so everyone coming to that point of finding your power within and finding peace and joy and happiness and finding your voice and your identity. That's your love after. So love after for me might be different. Love after for him is going to be different. This person might have their love after experience in terms of coming out of jail. This person might be after an addiction of being on drugs or alcohol abuse for years. So everybody's love after, and that's how I interpret it in the book, is coming and going through that love after experience of coming to a place of restoration. What is healing for you? What is your identity? What is your purpose? Walking in that thing, birthing your purpose. It's a good point. Like It's possible for anyone, and it's different for everyone. And it's different for you at a certain age and different for you later. Right. We all go through different stages. Like my love after at 31 is going to be different from my love after experience at 41. It might not be relationship. It might be love after, after probably, God forbid, a career shift. Right. And trying to pick up the pieces and find my power after being knocked down or, you know, whatever it is that. Or your child's going to school. You know, and right. realizing that your children are at, aren't at home anymore. Right. Or being an empty nester. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because I know a lot of people who literally lost their identity or didn't know their identity after kids left the home. Totally. Because all you knew how to be was a mom or how you knew how to be was a dad or spouse or husband or wife. And now that kids have, you know, left the home, it's like you're staring at these walls, it's quiet, you're not yelling at anyone, you don't, you don't have any distractions, and it's like, what am I supposed to do with myself? I don't even know what to do because I've spent so many years pouring into my kids and pouring into my spouse. You know, this is new for me. So how do you find that love after transition? Mm-hmm. Tell the audience about the event on Saturday the 9th. Um, yeah, so this Saturday, I will be having my Love After book launch reception. And also, I will be screening a short film premiere. And it ties into the book as well and the journey of Love After and what Love After is for you. So I'm excited. It will be at Stewart Cinema and Cafe in Brooklyn, New York. It's like downtown Brooklyn, close to lower Manhattan. And it's at Stewart Cinema and Cafe, 79 West Street, Brooklyn, New York. 7 p.m. Yes, yes, yes. And it will be free giveaways and free raffle prizes. Um, you also will be, I guess, giving out like a free counseling mm-hmm. session. Coaching. So that's amazing. Yeah, coaching session. And there will be free refreshments that will be served, the bubblies, wine, and Ooh, that sounds a lot of so stuff. Good. <laughs> I can't wait for the Q&A with you. Yes, I'm excited. I have to tell you that the first time that I thought of love, or it was actually, it was not love, it was lust, was in Jamaica. I was listening to- You went to Jamaica? Yeah, I was- Oh, yeah, I know. And I know the film is in Jamaica. And I was listening to Tony Braxton, the Heat album. And I heard it and I I had lusting feelings in Jamaica. (laughs) So I cannot wait to see this film. Oh, Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it, it was amazing. I thank God for Jane Applegate. You know, she's just amazing. J.P. Packer, he's a cinematographer. Jane Applegate is the producer on there. My right-hand woman manages me. She's just amazing. I thank God for them because they didn't have to go to Jamaica with me. They didn't have to go out their way to make love after come to reality in terms of the film. And with their help, it, it happened. That's so, so beautiful. It's yeah. such a good point that 
you know, we're not entitled to anyone, right? Right. People's choice to choose us is so profound to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just humbled. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I appreciate them a lot. I cannot wait to celebrate you. Thank you. And, and likewise, you're doing amazing things. And thank you for bringing me on your podcast, just using your platform to help people to get over heartbreak because I'm, it's something that I feel like is easily underestimated, but it, it's like it can lead to so much. People giving up hope, people giving up on themselves, on life in general, depression, suicide. So heartbreak is real, especially there's certain levels. It's a universal fear. It's yeah. guaranteed, most likely. And I remember just so many years always running into people that said, I don't want to do it again. I don't want to love again if it's going to end up like that. Just feeling like they couldn't go through it. So rewriting that narrative to see it's always purposeful. Yeah, that was me. I, absolutely. I didn't think falling in love again was even an option. Like, nope, I'm good. I got my two kids. I got my boy and my girl. I just mm-hmm. want to focus on myself, focus on my career, build an empire. And I'm gravy, but you're not built like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it a nice thought good. for a moment. I you know, right? it. it sounds so powerful. Like, yes, feminine movement. <laughs> and it's like, but I just, I do want to be loved one day and I want to be married one day. I was looking at this couple that I met yesterday that I was out with and they were like, you know, holding each other in a certain way and their kiss. And it just reminded me of that little bubble that you create in the, you know, just when you find something that feels right, it can't be Mm -hmm. underestimated. But I also think that grasping for it is not the answer either. Yeah, it just, it it comes, do you know what it is? It comes when you least expect it because people can pick up on desperation. Like I've dated people that they don't even have to do or say much but because my spirit of discernment is so strong because of the work I put in with myself and knowing myself, you can just pick it up when somebody's like, oh, they're doing too much. <laughs> like, yeah, they're just doing too much. So but they want so badly for this. Yes. And yeah. I feel like that's a turn off. I can't. I it's can't a turn off. And, and, and men can sense that when a woman wants to be loved so bad that she's just so naive and then you fall you know, victim to getting your heart broken again. Right. And I think the other thing, by the way, that I just have to say is with this desperation, people that are receiving it, they're like, this person isn't really choosing me. It could be anyone. I could be anyone if I was willing to be on board. And that doesn't feel good. No one wants that this person is just looking for anyone that will love them. Anyone that can sell them on the dream, you know? Mm. That's why like you've, you've used the word discernment a lot. And it's so important. You have to be discerning about who you're choosing because if someone doesn't feel like you're discerning, they're going to be really turned off and put off by that. They're not going to believe in what you're saying this is all about. Yeah, it's just like you're just choosing anything just to just jump on a bandwagon or just to be with someone just any means necessary. Just because that person is breathing and they're giving you the time of day, you automatically think this has to be the one. He answers all my text messages. <laughs> like, no. He's like, no, he just should, by the way. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, people should respond. That doesn't mean they're the one. You yeah, know? you just have to. And, and loving yourself, you, you automatically create healthy boundaries for yourself. You automatically create standards. For example, now when I go out, I expect a man to court me properly. No, you're going to, I'm going to stand there until you open my door. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just, I just feel like if not, and it's okay, because some guys probably don't know how I'll teach you. You know, you're never too old to learn teaching, you know, all dogs. Loving me is going to be different. Because just like, just like that guy, he might, I might meet someone who wants to be loved differently than what I've ever been exposed to. Right. But what am I going to shut down and be like, be offended because he corrected me? Like, no, I, if I care about this person, I feel like this person is worth it, worth it. <laughs> then I'll be more open-minded. Like, okay, I didn't know you like stuff like that. Okay, I'll take that into consideration next time. Yeah. And I think that people that are really, they really are interested. There's an excitement about, wow, this person wants to it done differently. I'm so excited about learning to do that, to be doing this in a new way. Yeah. I mean, you have 
to have that mindset because sometimes it's like I can't be bothered. <laughs> but <laughs> back to the mindset. To, right. It goes back to love is selfless. So you really do have to sacrifice. And that's a part of sacrificing as coming out of your comfort zone to learn what works for somebody else and to learn new things. That's insanity for you to keep doing the same thing, but expecting a different result. Right. Right. Now that is the definition. Where can my audience find you? Yes. Um, well, the one-stop shop is www.theloveafter.com. That has access to all my social media, Instagram. But if you don't feel like doing all of that and you're just on Instagram right now or on Facebook, you can just type in The Love After at The Love After. Or my personal is I'm Jacinth. That's I-M-J-A-C-I-N-T-H on Instagram. Perfect. And I love that your two children's names start with the J. Yeah, I'm, I'm all J's. And I'm like, God, if you can just bless me with someone whose name starts with a J, it would be perfect. Now I'm played. <laughs> well, at least it makes it a little bit easier. You just find out their name and you're like, no, nah, that's not it. Can't be it. <laughs> Are you open to changing your name for love? <laughs> right, right. Uh, can you just change that to J? Like, just, you know, no. Thank you so much. I've loved talking to you. Uh, Thank you just you. really energized Same me. Here. You're like the girlfriend in my head. Like, <laughs> I can talk to you forever. That's Thank you hysterical. So much. The girlfriend in my head. I love that. You know how sometimes you don't yeah. know someone like that and you've just had a conversation with them and you're like, you're like a girlfriend. Like, yeah, you're absolutely. like someone I is like someone I've known for years, but I really don't know you, but I feel like I know you. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've needed you. I've needed to talk right. to you. I'm telling you. Exactly. Oh my God, have you ever met someone where it's like this is like needed to happen? It's not by mistake that we're crossing paths. Like something just feels like mm-hmm. like a crazy supernatural connection. Like, yeah. You never had an experience with anyone before. Like, you never met someone that you feel like you met them before? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. I I kind of am beginning to think it's, you know, someone that you can't resist. Maybe it's a soulmate connection, you know? Right, right. Like, and you just got to flow with it. And it's crazy Mm -hmm. because I was reading something the other day and they were like, a lot of people think soulmate has to do with, like, your significant other. Soulmate Mm -hmm. can be a best friend. Soulmate can be that connection that you have with a relative soulmate like soulmate is not always a love connection in terms of like significant other boyfriend girlfriend spouse i think it could be a teacher literally that is a teacher you have a crazy connection with yeah 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 man but thank you so much for having me chelsea i really appreciate it and i'm forward to seeing you on saturday it'll be here before you know it i'm like oh my god yesterday i was in jamaica I'm like, I gotta get, I gotta find an outfit. Oh my God. Can I tell you, I don't have an outfit yet. And I'm like, it just hit me today. Like, I don't even have an outfit. <laughs> Neither do I. At least I got a haircut. I knew that I needed that. So I took that off the list the other day. I need, I'll, I'll be looking for something. <laughs> something special because this is going to be a great <laughs> night. I'm really excited. It's going to feel really, uh, it's, I feel like it's going to just be an uplifting night and it's going to feel yeah. like really excited by it. So thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. All right, girl. I'll see you soon. Have a good night. If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak, or you can email me directly at Chelsea. C-H-E-L-S-E-A at breakupward, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D dot com. And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website, breakupward.com slash shop, where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea at breakupward.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you.